What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we chat with professional angler and TV host JT Kenny. We talk about SWAT teams raiding hotels, why turkey hunting can be like chasing ghosts, learning how to fish out of your comfort zone, and of course, we break down the train wreck reality show Tiger King. Stick around. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Nick, where's your suit, dude? Uh, well, you know, I took it off. We just finished up with uh, JT, so I broke out my my sports <laughs> coat. Today I was wearing um, Styles by Walmart. It's the uh, plaid button-down. This, this is the first interview we've done where you weren't uh, all dressed to the nines, man. What the heck? Yeah, man, you know, I think the uh, the effects of our quarantine, I, I've, I've just let go. I, this is just what I've got. Rob's shaking his head. What's going on with you, man? Not too much. Just uh, kind of twiddling my thumbs. Done watching uh, Tiger King. Uh, no guide trips to be done right now, which is really weird for the first of beginning of April. Yeah, that's not good. It's just a weird time. Um, well, yeah. if, you're, if you're bored, Rob, I'll give you one of my kids. You can, yeah. you yeah. can homeschool. The first grader is easier to homeschool, surprisingly, than the four-year-old. The four-year-old's the one that's... It's funny that... So he's not even in kindergarten, but his teacher has been awesome this year. And she's just like the definition of an overachiever. So she's set up this like Zoom, um, like classroom setting, you know, Zoom's that like online video conferencing thing. If you want to see chaos, get 18 or 19 four and five year olds in front of a computer. She's like constantly muting and unmuting, muting and unmuting. It's like, oh, we need to start doing them this way. That way when Rob starts saying something uninteresting, I can just mute him. Be like, all right, yeah. back to more of Nick. <laughs> Does it remind you of our podcast FaceTime recordings? Well, we're about probably on the same level as these four-year-olds. No, they're better than us. Yeah, their their <laughs> audio is far superior. Their content is better. Like we we could take some notes from the uh, the kindergarten class, or the pre-kindergarten class over there at Higley School District. But you know we're all we're all figuring out as we go, right? Like this is just a, it's uncharted territory, and you put a couple of hillbillies. It was hard enough to figure out how to podcast with legit equipment in your cave, Josh. Then you put these hillbillies with phones and computers trying to figure it out. It's like, well, we're about back to smoke signals and carrier pigeons at this rate. Right now, well, uh, yeah, you're completely right. We are, dude. But we're trying. Are you? Uh, and I know we're already uh, going here, but you're recording, right? Oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, uh, yeah. And on my end, it, it's been the same way. I snuck out and fished uh, one day again by myself this week to get some fresh air to shoot some videos. And um, other than that, man, I've been less productive than I really should be right now. We talked about this a little bit off the air, but it's amazing how you can be so unproductive when you've got all the time in the world to do stuff. I could be doing house projects. I could be organizing stuff. I could be getting things in line for when everything opens back up. But I seem to be failing in that regard. Dude, enter Tiger King. It's intended for you to do nothing. You just need good TV and <laughs> your life just goes down from there. I hear that. Yeah. Have you guys, how about Ozark? Have you guys watched Ozark? I haven't went there yet. Right yeah. on. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And I'll really? leave that. We'll talk about it after you guys watch it. But there's three seasons, um, and they've all been spread like a year apart. So it's been the season goes real quick. Obviously, Netflix, you just get into it and watch it all in three days. And then you have to wait for a year for the next one. And they just dropped the third season. It's 
It's unbelievable. Is Ozark's like a docu series, like Tiger King, or is it like a fictional? No, it's a real. It's okay. a, or it's a uh, no, it's a fiction. You know, fictional okay. series. Um, yeah, Jason Bateman's like the okay. lead, the lead character, and he's a great actor. But yeah, just you know, there's some some cartel stuff involved in okay. it. It's just a very, it's a thriller type series. Uh, super cool to watch. So we'll save that one for later on. But um, dude, well, yeah. see, I've been trying to read, man. You know, I jumped out of that other book. Um, when this is all over, man, got to check out that, that one. And I started another one called Body of Water. And uh, I'll keep you posted on that. It's pretty tight. fishing book? Yeah, it's a fishing book. Yep. And uh, this one's about a dude who uh, wanders off into the islands of the Bahamas and uh, should be pretty tight. That's why your vocabulary is so good is you're reading all the time. Man. Dude, Maybe I'll I tell you what. more words if I actually read. More pictures and, and less words. Andy retains it on top of it. Yeah, I do that. When's the last time you read a book, Rob? I uh, read a fishing magazine, or that's about it. He's like yeah, the last right. time I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I hear you, dude. I hear you 100%. Josh, uh, have, you, have you talked to any of your buddies throughout the country? What are they doing fishing right now? Are they are lakes shut down throughout the country? What are you guys doing? It's a big mix, you know. Uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, just kind of on that same line, is uh, one of my sponsors, Berkeley, Abu Garcia, Pure Fishing. They started, like, kind of a campaign just to kind of get through this called Fish Through It. And, um, you know, just fishing is such a good way to just clear your mind. If you can do it safely without, you know, uh, without risking yourself or risking others, there's nothing better for someone who loves to be in the outdoors than going out and fishing right now. And a lot of, a lot of my buddies are. Um, you know, there are certain states that have gone to like super crazy measures like South Carolina, which is not a state I expected to hear this from. They closed all, all boat ramps. Like it's, uh, I guess same thing. People went a little too nuts on spring break or whatever, and they just straight up closed the boat ramps across the board. So there's states where there are people having to deal with that. I know California's got some strict guidelines and stuff. Um, and then there's some states where it's pretty much wide open. I mean, some of my buddies are lucky enough to like live on the lake, so or right next to the lake, so they can sneak out and just be out there every day. And uh, we're hanging on by a thread here in Arizona, getting on, yeah. the, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. I think we're a couple busy weekends away from being shut down, unfortunately. Yeah, so yeah. Hopefully that, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully everybody, I don't know. It would just be a bummer not to be able to go fishing. We're really going to have nothing to talk about on this podcast if we can't do You're that. You're going to be living next yeah, time. fishing trip go when you win, Josh? It, it, went, it went all right. Um, you know, I just, again, went up there to do some videos and stuff like that. And I just had that mindset. I didn't. I didn't have the mindset that I was going to go out there and try to find a bunch of tournament-winning fish. I just wanted to go out there and fish and check out the lake. Again, I was on Roosevelt. The lake's up. It's a brand-new lake again. And it's I, I fished it when it was this high 10 years ago, but stuff changes. You know, uh, the, it, on that what's been a dry lake bed for the last 10 years, trees grow in different places, and uh, the lake just changes, right? The, you know, you get rain, monsoons, and stuff like that, and, and, and maybe the channels change, and, and the lake just changes. So I've just been reacquainting myself with the lake, not trying too hard to rack my brain on catching five-pounders. And uh, so it's been fun. Just, just going out catching fish and uh, breathing some fresh air. Yep, exactly. That's yeah, cool. and you went with Boyd yesterday. I did. We did a little afternoon trip. Uh, the lake was not very busy in the afternoon, which was nice. Uh, I literally acted like a non-boater. I launched him. No kidding. Yeah, I walked down the dock, got in the passenger seat, and fished out of the back of the boat, let him do his thing. And he uh, 
he caught some nice fish and was that your thing but it was all good that so. picture you sent us uh, of him holding a pretty good fish was that the one you're talking about where you guys went was that bartlett yeah it was at bartlett yesterday so nice dude, dude. Yeah. When you told me that he caught all those fish and you had only caught a couple or whatever, I was like, yeah. dude, I thought you were in the front. I'm like, man, Rob, you really don't have any mojo right now. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> but it makes sense that you're in the back of the boat. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I was, it was funny because I was kind of teaching him about spot lock. He's never used a spot lock on, his troll, on the troll motor. He's just used to running the old school one. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, because the wind started blowing. And I'm like, just hit that button and you'll sit right there. It was pretty funny seeing him you know get into that deal so he's got quite the uh interest in the electronics parts of the boats huh i remember yeah. when we fished dude he was super into trying to learn the uh the graphs dude and, yeah it's just and, the age it's he's just young like you guys and just it kind of, you're not afraid of it like old guys like me you know so it's kind of cool but that's cool. He's learning fast on that, man. I like it. Dude, uh, yeah. I've been, I've obviously haven't been able to get out at all with the craziness in our household and uh, just dying, man. I've been pouring over boat classifieds. And uh, the other morning, Rob sent me a pretty legit find on um, Facebook. Unfortunately, I think it was in like North Carolina or somewhere back east. I should have JT go get it. Um, but Josh, it was like a 1993. Is that an Astro F-18, Rob? Is that what that was called? Do you remember? Yeah, do you remember those, Josh? hundred Yeah, you still see them on the water, dude. But when those things came out, they were. Uh oh, our service is getting bad here. Yeah, Rob, rewind and tell us again when those things came out, because I'm ready for a story. Yeah, when they out, they were just they seemed like they were so from the future, right? And it was uh, I want to say Brunswick owned them at that time because they were you know bought basically bought boat company to have systems to hang their motors on right and, yeah no kidding and they had a big deal where they sponsored a bunch of the top names and guys were running those boats i want to say and I, I can't even think of the guys that were running but some of the big names were running them and with a 150 those things would flat out fly that was no was, that's the one that had like the really sleek console right compared yes. to like some of the other ones yeah that's a cool looking boat dude looks like a jet fighter but that boat they kind of wanted like five grand for it and it looked like it was in great shape so well it'd just be a cool boat to fix up you know? yeah well and you guys know you're you've been around forever so you know everything but for me i was unfamiliar with that and like they kind of looked like the boat equivalent of a delorean you know what a delorean is josh i bet rob does i have no idea i have no old school dude old it's, school. it's the car from back to the future you know the one where like the doors open up and it's like it's kind of got like that bullet shaped profile and it's all great it's like the boat equivalent of that man i was like man i could break my aviators back out if you fished out of that thing, dude, you'd have to be wearing aviators. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, dang, man. Hopefully one of those pops up around here here pretty soon. Yeah, I still, I'm still itching for a solid aluminum, too. I'm thinking maybe when one of those comes up, I'll have to, you know, we're, Arizona has such a loose stance on what's considered essential and non-essential. I'm pretty sure the right aluminum boat would qualify as essential to uh, go out and snag one. So when that happens, I'm, I'm ready. And you just say, you know, you just say you're going fishing, dude, when you when they pull you over. And and that that's very well among the list of essential activities, man. Amen, Outdoor brother. activities. Um, right, well, you, you you just hinted towards it, but if we, we haven't brought up yet our guest, we've got JT Kenny in here as a guest. And uh, he was really fun to talk to. He's a guy that I looked up as looked up to as an angler a lot, um, you know, when I was getting started and still do. And uh, he's transitioned from a uh, tournament angler 
to more of the uh, media side now. He's a, a commentator on the MLF Now live stream and also on the TV show. Uh, does a fantastic job on that. And, uh, you know, one thing I hear a lot from the people that are listening, he's got, you know, as you guys know and, and, and can hear it just talking to him, he's, he's got a, a, a great personality. He's a funny guy, but he's so knowledgeable, man. I mean, the way he breaks down uh, some of these lakes and stuff when we're out fishing them, especially like Lake Okeechobee, which he has fished his entire life, people were blown away at his knowledge. Did you tell me that, Rob? You were blown away with how much you knew about Okeechobee? Uh, it wasn't me, no, but uh, it's impressive how, I mean, I looked up his uh, his tournament history and, like, he was an absolute hammer in Florida. And, and among other parts yep. of the country, too, but, I mean, my goodness, I can't imagine how much money he's won in the state of Florida for that bass fishing. Uh, and, I mean, I, was, I wasn't surprised, but I was impressed with his overall winnings. I mean, he has won way north of a million and a half dollars bass fishing, so pretty cool. It's hard for those for guys from Florida to be well-rounded because, and I'm not trying to diss anyone from Florida. No. It's so much more impressive when you see a guy like JT or Bobby Lane or Chris Lane because they don't grow up doing it all. You get it. We talk about it all the time, but you get a guy that's from Northern California and they learn how to fish deep spotted bass, reservoir largemouth like Clear Lake, uh, California Delta. You're fishing tides, all the different types of grasses. You get the most well-rounded anglers out of places like that. And, uh, you know, even at like Alabama, you got everything. But if you fish Florida your whole life, I mean, you fit, you fish one way all the time. So to be able to take that and, and uh, learn as you're going around the country is super impressive. Yeah, and I think where JT grew up in Maryland and fished the Potomac and waters up in that area gives him probably more of that little bit of versatility needed but yeah he's uh he's had a pretty pretty good career uh as an angler now he's on the media side so pretty cool yeah yeah uh before we swing it over to him and we will hear soon because uh, i can tell our cell connection's already getting getting worse um but one thing i wanted to uh bring up and i sent you guys this video and, and for the listeners this is on YouTube. If you just search Tom Reddington's YouTube channel, or you know, you can find him on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Tom's a buddy of mine. He fishes the FLW Tour. He's sponsored by Berkeley as well. He had uh, probably one of the biggest brain farts ever in his last event on Lake Martin. He catches a nice spotted bass on a lake that doesn't have a lot of big fish. I think this is a big fish of the day. It's like a three pounder or something. Doesn't have a marshal in this boat. Uh, because of all, I'm sure they were short on marshals because of all the COVID stuff that was starting to pop up during that tournament. Uh, and I think actually they fished with no marshals for that reason. I know for a fact they did. Um, but he catches this fish and he takes a picture with it <laughs> before chucking it in the live well and he forgets to put it in the live when he throws it back in the water. Unbelievable, dude. I, when you sent me that video, I, it just blew my mind to see that happen. But um, can you, do you have anything that relates close to that? I don't know, dude. And, you know, and while I'm thinking about that, just to finish the story, he he, he throws this fish back and realizes what he does. And his reaction is, is, of course, it's priceless. He doesn't lose his mind. He's by himself. What's he going to yell to him at himself by himself? So he sighs, like spanks himself in the butt, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and uh, then goes back to fishing. The crazy thing is he caught the fish later in the day. He goes back to the same spot with the same bait and catches it. So he had some retribution there, and I've done that before where I've, I've like lost one and been so bummed, and you go back and you catch it later and you feel better about it. But, um, dude, going back to have, have I ever done anything like that? And no, I think one time I, I uh, was tying a spinnerbait on, and I just take it out of my box, my spinnerbait box, and just 
throw it over to the edge of the boat. Like I already tied it on. And then I realized, oh crap, I didn't tie it on. So I just chucked a bait into the lake. I've done That's similar to I've done similar to that where I've tied it on and you cut the, the main line instead of the tag end. <laughs> and then you throw the bait in the water? Yeah, it's like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, I remember I one one yeah. time fishing at the Lee's Ferry and you know there you fish a lot of nymph rigs when you're fly fishing so you have like three miles worth of leader and then you have a strike indicator which is like a fancy bobber and then usually you have two flies i remember i got whacked in the back of the head they're hard to cast and so the guy next to me hit me and it didn't like it broke his line because you're using you know leader material that's the diameter of an eyelash so it snapped no his head? head no it was, it was cold i had a ski hat on but it's funny i'm standing there holding the the length of the two flies and all that and he's over there tying i thought he had tied him on so when he's all ready to go i just threw him over the side of the boat and he's like no 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 hand to me <laughs> <laughs> just threw him in the water after like 10 minutes of numb fingers trying to tie everything back on and then just oh, chuck him in the lake <laughs> yeah when i when i saw josh when i saw him throw that fish in the lake i thought of uh situations where i've had fish try to jump out of the live ball have you ever had that dude i'm such a freak about that, that i am too yeah. i've never let it happen i've right. seen it happen though yeah uh, people, you know? people flip the lid open and sit there and look in the live well while they're culling like i no huddle, way. i huddle over it and like i mean obviously in mlf you guys don't have to do that anymore but yeah when you were boxing them and putting them in the live well i mean those things literally could fly out so pretty crazy yeah, hundred percent, dude. That is uh, its always been a fear of mine. Have you ever? Um, and one other thing I've done—I've—I've I've seen or I've seen done—is uh, guys will come in and they'll catch thirty fish, thirty keepers, but then they weigh in four fish because they thought they had <laughs> yeah. five the whole time and they're calling, but they're calling out their fifth fish all day. Yeah. yeah. And dude, I, I've done the opposite and been penalized for it. I had uh, uh, six fish in the boat in a tournament one time on on the elites and. Uh, it cost me so ever since then I'm the world's least efficient slowest worst color because of that one thing it used to be just right. a breeze for me right I just did it without even having to think about it never had a problem and I do that one time and dude I mean for the next five years after that I'd be sitting there fishing for five minutes and go oh my god how many do I have in the live one I'd go back count them one two three four five and then count them again one two three four five and then count them again and then go fish for 10 minutes and go back and count them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm still go. jacked up from it. Yeah, good thing you guys are just catching them or releasing them now. So. Yeah, no doubt. I'll be in trouble when I fish the U.S. Open or something like that or yeah. the next tournament. But uh, going off <laughs> on that, that. that, going off on that tangent, do you like that format better? Just watching that, I would think that does kind of eliminate some of that, you know, potential for disaster of one escaping out of the well or stepping on your own toes like that. Is it nice to just catch one? know the weight and move on with your life you like that yeah man i mean it takes away a lot of that anxiety and fear because like after catching them you still have to get them live yeah keep them alive and and do everything the right way and that fish management is critical and um you know there are ways to mitigate fish loss and stuff like that but no matter what you're still worried about it maybe you have a really long run and it's going to be rough and uh you know, you, you got to stop fishing so early to make sure that you can get back to weighing on time with your fish alive and calling just takes time. So, I mean, yeah, you get on some lakes like uh, like a Lake Shasta or something like that, that you literally might catch 30 fish that are within a half pound of each other. And uh, that 
you know, it, it takes so much time through throughout the course of the day calling, especially when the water's cold and your hands are cold and it stinks, man. So, uh, yeah, so much, I love it. So much room for air in those situations, right? right. There is, man, and, and it always comes. We talked about it with Todd last week, but it comes down to one fish or a couple ounces, and yeah. and you lose four ounces for a dead fish, or or you make the wrong call, it's, or you get a penalty, a two pound penalty for uh, having too many in the boat at one time. It's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. Have you ever lost any fish in a tournament like that in your live well that cost you big time? Like, in what aspect? Like, died? Like, fish died in your live well and it cost you big time? Not that I can remember. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've had some that have, you know, I've got the dead penalty, but not, I don't remember any of them really costing me that I can think of. I got gotcha. you. Right on. Uh, dude, I had a tournament, like, uh, five years ago on Gunnersville. This is like a springtime tournament, and uh, I'm having just a whatever morning. You know, I, I have a limit in the boat. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went in. I got like a limit in the boat, and then I finally catch another one. It, I, I went like an hour and a half without catching one, and I catch one, and I look in the live well, and they're all belly up, and their eyes are like starting to glass over. And, and the uh -oh. worst part about this is the day before I had a big bag, but I had just a small bag in the live well because it was morning time, and uh, like I was almost a lock to get into the cut if I just caught an average bag. Right. But, but dude, if they all die, you can't call them, and right. I'm done by 9 a.m. So I, I look at live well and lose my mind. Like somehow my live well had gotten kicked off or something like that. I pressed the button or something like that. And uh, they're all alive, but they're taking like one breath every five seconds. Um, or maybe longer than that, but breath, breath every 10 seconds. So there's one other competitor down the bank, J. Todd Tucker. And he's, he's got some G-juice in his boat. And um, I'm like, I got nothing in my boat. They're all... Or sh I call them shallows so they don't need to be fizzed and he's like dude just dump this whole bottle in there and uh, <laughs> it's like not full it's like half full or whatever so dude in desperation I just dumped the whole bottle in there and I'm not this is going to sound like I made it up but four out of the five fish were upright and alive within 30 minutes and it, I salvaged the day dude I ended up going out and catching a good bag and uh, made the cut I was sure I was dead sure I was done dude this episode is brought to you by G Juice and all of their fine array of products in the fish <laughs> preservation business. That's crazy. Though. Dude, DH Marine. <laughs> so seriously, is that just is that just like oxygenation that brought them back, or those just like that's how that stuff works, right? Is that it's just supposed to like really oxygenate the water? Uh, yeah, I get, dude. I'm not even going to speak to it, I, and I should know. Um, I should know exactly what it does. Before. But it just works to the fish, but yeah, it's that blue stuff in the live well and it works. That's all I know. Keep it uh, simple. Live well looks like a golf course pond. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. can't see the yeah, bottom Boyd, of it. Boyd would be real familiar with that water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, hey, uh, we've been on long enough. I think uh, we'll save this other stuff. We've got to try to knock out another episode maybe this weekend. But let's uh, let's send it over to JT if you guys don't have anything else. You guys have anything else? Let's, Let's do, do it, it, man. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Here's JT Kenny. All right, JT Kenny. Uh, dude, we talked about you in the intro, and uh, we had a lot of good things to say, man. We've been excited to chat with you. What, uh, what's going on with you? Where are you at? Uh, actually, just at home right now. You know, been uh, hanging around pretty tight to the house. Still doing some fishing, but doing some turkey hunting in the mornings. Um, I don't really want to talk about the turkey hunting because I used to feel like I was pretty good at turkey hunting, and they have been kicking my butt this year. 
I haven't got one yet, and I've probably been eight or nine times. One day I had them gobbling all around me. Thought just any minute one was going to pop out of the palmettos somewhere. And no, I have shed no blood yet, so I'm not real happy about the turkeys. But bass have been biting, offshore fish have been biting a little bit, so uh, that's been pretty fun. Dude, I'm not a hunter at all myself. Uh, Rob is, Nick's not either, but sounds like turkey hunting is like the least successful thing you could ever do as a hunter. Like, man, I always hear these people getting so frustrated and pissed at the turkeys. You know what? The thing is, like, it's one of the coolest things to me because, you know, most of the hunting you're doing, you know, you're out there climbing around, you're just sitting in a tree, you know, waiting for something to walk by. Like, turkey hunting, you're actually calling to them, and they're calling back to you. And, dude, when a big old gobbler is, like, coming in and getting closer, and he's, every time you you know, yelp a little bit or something, and he calls back. I have a hair on the back of your neck just stands up, like, because you know, like, you're tricking that fool. You know what I mean? Like, he's coming in. But then they hang up like they've been doing to me lately, and it's just, it's so frustrating because you know he's right there. You can hear him gobbling his head off, but he just won't come in. But it's one of those things where I kind of relate it to fishing a little bit. You know, you go to a lake that you know is just absolutely full of them, but, you know, they're in some kind of funk and you can't catch them. It's kind of like the same JT, what uh, what state are you in? Are you in Florida? Yep. And what type of turkeys are they? They're Osceolas. I live uh, about two-thirds of the way down the state, the very northern part of Florida. There's a lot of easterns, but uh, okay. they're, they're all Osceolas down here. Where I live. What's that upper? What's that above your shoulder there, your right shoulder? Is that a whitetail? Uh, there's Baller. whitetail and antelope back there. So have you hunted out west, obviously? I have. Right on. How yep. about elk? elk hunting or no anything? never done elk the only thing i've done out there was uh antelope and mule deer awesome very cool yeah so not a ton of the whitetails out pretty much everywhere to be yeah. honest with you i mean I, I do a little bit of whitetail hunting down here in florida but they're they're you know they're really small deer down here but right. you know i like deer hunting i got a little bit of property down here so i'll go do it but when i get serious i always take the ever since i've been pretty much able to do it i take almost the whole month of november because that's when most most places in the country that's when the whitetail rut's going on i take the whole month of november and just take off and go just wherever i got some buddies in uh, kentucky got some buddies in illinois um you know just i just take off and 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 go deer hunting that's that's to me that's the time if you're ever really kill a giant that's the time you're going to do it that november deal so have you well, I don't fool, fool around too much other than, than in that month, really. Have you always been a hunter, or was this something that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So hunting and fishing has been a thing since you were a kid then, huh? Absolutely. Very cool. Pretty much all I've ever known. I, honestly, after school, I worked in a body shop for about a year and a half, and then I kind of had my own body shop and my parents' shop for like two years. And other than that, that's I've been fishing my you know, driving my living from fishing my whole life, you know, in one way or the other, whether it was guiding or tournaments or, you know, what I do now, but, but, you know, it's been, that's been my industry of choice so far. That's pretty funny because my dad was an auto body technician for 40 plus years. I worked in the business for about seven years also. So kind of of funny how, I promise you I couldn't do it now. I I (laughs) I wouldn't even know what to what to no, even do, like what kind of even paint they even have anymore. A really, really good buddy of mine's the, the head mechanic at my local Chevy dealership. 
And uh, I've been up there, you know, with him before. We've walked through the body shop, and I'd look at stuff and be like, I don't even know what that is. And yeah, I, I'd be the same. <laughs> That's cool. How long ago did you move down to Florida, JT? Did, like, were you already an outdoorsman and a hunter when you lived in Maryland? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, so I started coming to Florida in the winters. I, well, we got time. I'll give you kind of the short version of the whole story. Me and a buddy of mine uh, from Maryland, we, we jumped in the truck one day and just said we're – well, we saved up all, all like, fall and winter. And we took a two-week trip to Florida, and we fished Kissimmee for a week, and we fished Okeechobee for a week. And this was probably 1996 and uh, ended up, you know, had a blast. Came back down again the next year, and in the meantime, I started guiding in Maryland. Um Came back. Freshwater? Do what? Freshwater guiding? Like yeah, Potomac and gotcha. Yeah, yeah Potomac and some of the little the little lakes around Maryland. There's actually some pretty good little lakes in Maryland that you know they're way too small to hold a big tournament on. Gotcha. We have like federation tournaments and stuff on them, you know. But uh, so the next year I went back down to Florida just for a week and ended up somehow befriending Marianne Martin at Roland Martin's Marina. And she said, Well if you guide in, you know in in Maryland in the summertime, what are you doing in the wintertime? And I was like, well, we're on cars that, you know, pass the time. And she was like, well, why don't you come down here and guide for us in the wintertime? Yeah, I'm like 20-some years old. And I'm like, are you serious, really? <laughs> so, so the next year, I she held up her end of the deal, and I went down there and started working out of, you know, Roland Martin's Marina, and um, ended up after six years, five years of Maryland in the summertime, Florida in the wintertime, ended up realizing that guiding is not for me and that I just liked Florida more than Maryland. You know, there's just, there's just more, I mean, the hunting's not as good, but there's just more stuff. You guys still there? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. We got you. Yeah. There, there's, there's just more stuff, you know, more fishing and more stuff to do down here. And I just like the weather. So that, I mean, that was really the whole thing. So in 2004, um, I moved down here full time. Like I said, I don't guide anymore. I, I kind of realized that uh, that just looks, like I like catching fish. I don't like taking people out to catch fish. But what kind of soured me on, on the guiding thing a little bit was um, everybody comes to Florida and like they think there's a 10 pounder behind every clump of grass. And, and there's not. I mean, you might have a better chance of catching a 10 pounder here than other places. But there's just not, and every you can take a guy out, and he can catch five six pounders and two eight pounders, and he's mad because he didn't catch a ten. Dude, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Really, and, and that just dude. After six years of that, I mean, it just wears on you after a while. I actually enjoyed guiding in Maryland because nobody had any preconceived notions. Yeah, you know, it was just like, hey, we're, we're gonna go fishing. Ah, we caught ten or twelve fish in a half a day morning trip. That everybody high fived each other and I got a nice tip and everybody went on their way. That's what that's what it's like for us here in Arizona, dude. We're all guides too, so we totally can relate to that. Yeah, but in but in Florida it's like you know, it's just completely different and, and I like I said, it just it, it wore me out. So <laughs> that, it, it can that, be kinda of like groundhog. Yeah. But, yeah. But luckily, right when I was just like completely fed up with you know, with the guiding thing, as far as in Florida goes, like I said, um was right when I got on the FLW tour, and luckily I won the very first FLW tour event that uh, that I got in. So that was 
$100,000 jump-started my career there a little bit. You know, probably the lumps I took over the next couple of years, I don't think I would have made it, you know, made a whole career, 20-some-year career out of tournament fishing if I wouldn't have won that first event. Interesting. Event early. You know what I mean? Where you then you have enough money in the bank because really at that point in your career you don't have any sponsors or very very limited. Yeah. You know that you got to actually you got to have some money to take some knocks, man. Yeah, they're they're gonna happen. They're gonna happen for sure, and especially uh, oh yeah, you know the first couple of years, man. Oh Where, yeah. You know, like I was telling this story to somebody the other day. The the first year I was on the FLW tour, I didn't know what a shad spawn was because in Maryland we didn't have shad. And when, I would, when I would leave Florida in, in the spring, it would be before the shad spawn actually happened down here. I didn't, literally didn't know. And, of course, we didn't have the Internet or per se like we do now, you know. So it was just, like I said, there was a lot of stuff that I really didn't know. So there was, you know, I did really good in a few events, but I really, really sucked in quite a few of them, too. And it, it took me probably four or five years to really get you know, to where you're consistently getting checks, consistently making championships, stuff like that. And that was, dude, that was kind of your M.O., dude, through most of your careers. You were always super consistent, dude. You were always, always. Towards, towards the end. The, the yeah, yeah. Well, so much. I, I get but that. The last sure. 10 years, yeah. 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 So, dude, here's, here's the weird thing. Like, for me, when I had first started out coming from Arizona, you know, I'm from a different corner of the country, and uh, you guys will laugh at this. I had never seen Hydrilla. Yeah. Until I made the Elite Series, dude. I was fishing my first year on the Elite Series, and I had never even seen Hydrilla in person. That's, I mean, it just like you said, dude. It takes it takes some time to travel around and, and fish these places a couple times to even understand how it all works. Nah, true. So what what do you think? Like, I think it was like four or five years before I really started getting to where I was comfortable. Is that about what you thought? Too? Yeah, I'd say so for sure, man. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, first couple years for me. It was like really kind of like a home run or a bomb. And uh, yeah. more bombs than home runs, you know. But I, I, you'd hit a couple home runs because you didn't know any better, right? So maybe you'd go down some weird <laughs> path and it would work. And like uh, the, the longer I was doing it, I was like, the lo- every year I'd be like, I realized I knew less and less and less because there, I re- realized there was more to learn. But uh, yeah. uh, that's that's a good point. Uh, before we go too deep into that, um, I just want—I meant to ask you this when we first started out, but we talked about this in the beginning of the intro. Are you, are you watching Tiger King yet? Have you watched Tiger King? Just finished watching all of it. Nice. <laughs> just, just, like I, I, I kind of put it off for a while, but now that everybody's kind of staying around him a lot more, you know, at some point you're like, okay, I got to see what this is all about. We spend enough time in Oklahoma that we could completely see. And, hey, there's some Florida in there, too, a lot of Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where Carol Baskin's from Florida. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> other side of the, completely other side of the state from me. So funny, man. Right on. So I literally watched my first 30 minutes of it before we jumped on this. So I'm on the other end of the spectrum, and I can already feel the smoke coming out of my ears as my mind is being blown. Can't it, wait. It, it, it takes, or at least with me anyway, and I, and I like, you know, funny, stupid stuff like that. But but it took me, like, I got through the first episode, and I was like, that's funny, but wasn't that funny? And, like, 
but it, it, it grew like it grew. Like, it's the more episodes you watch, the more you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. The fact that it's based on a true story, it's like, it seems so bizarre yeah, that it's like, that. it's a fiction. Yeah. And then it's like, it's not fiction? I gotta keep watching that. Like, where's this going? Like, oh yeah. But like I said, it, for me, it just grew and grew and got funnier and funnier every time. Man. It, it's nuts, dude. So like I said, being so early into it, I'm like sitting here thinking, in this day and age, outside of like maybe like Haitian cartels, who even puts a hit out on anyone anymore? Like that's really a thing. <laughs> like, grand. Dude, you grand. Like, uh, that's the funniest part. Dude, who I I mean, I just can't even believe that you could pay someone three grand and think they're gonna kill somebody. Like that's this is twenty twenty, but I guess we don't That's have. That's not going to pay for your gas and lodging, dude. dude and then right? He blows it on strippers and, and Colombian Bam Bam. Oh yeah, dude, instantly <laughs> gone. So I, I now, now I know what to search for on Facebook Marketplace the next time I'm on there. I'm going to see what hits are uh, going for out here in Phoenix and see if uh, three grand <laughs> is is the market value or not. <laughs> they're probably tanking just like everything else right now dude they're probably cheating dude, I'll do it for 30 bucks in a 6 pack right. uh, I'd have to go for a 12 pack yeah <laughs> how about that guy's eyes the, the guy that was going to do the hit how creepy and scary did that guy just look don't ruin it for me I haven't seen that part yet he didn't even need the little teardrop on his eyes to even, no. to even make him creepy they were creepy enough. he's plenty he's good dead, dude We've all drawn a non-voter that looked like that, though, right? Oh, God. <laughs> was it me? Yeah. <laughs> JT, JT, you fished, uh, I looked at your profile on FLW. In FL, uh, FLW alone, you fished 256 tournaments, dude. I used to get after it there for, for quite a few years. I mean, I would, and you know what? I felt like, I felt like I fished better when I fished a lot. Like, and it wasn't like, you didn't care. It was more like you just got in like that auto, like autopilot zone, and you didn't think too much about it. And you did. You just went fishing, and like I felt like I did better when I when I fished that much. Like I fished the Southern, you know, back then. You know, now it's the Toyota Series. Back then it was the Everstarts. You know, I'd fish the Southern Division and Northern Division, cherry pick one or two of the Centrals. You know, and of course fish all the FLW Tour and. And in a lot of those years, I would fish a division of the Bass Opens. In a couple of years, I fished two divisions of the Bass Opens, too. That's crazy, dude. And that, that does. I mean, you're just in a groove. You can't fall out of a groove. You're not nervous. You know, you don't have the time to sit around and be nervous about something or overthink it. You just go with your gut, right? Yeah, it's almost like, I don't want to use the word, I don't want to say you don't give a damn, but you kind of don't give a damn. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not that you don't care about the tournament. But you're just in like this auto mode, where like you don't even think about it. You know what I mean? Like you just you just put the boat in, you sit there and wait for them to call your boat number, and take off, you run down the lake. That I should probably fish that. You wear them, you catch two four pounders. You know what I mean? Like it's just I just fished better when I was like that. It's interesting. That's something to take note of for sure. I'm with you. I did. I mean, it's what really slowed me down was having kids in that. Dude, like it's I, you know, instead of fishing everything, I got to pick and choose a lot more what I fish. Right, right. Um, so, dude, when you traveled on the tour, um, who were who are some of your roommates? Who did you run with most of the time? Uh, for a, a lot of my career, I ran with Chad Grigsby. Um, cool and guy. Then, and there, towards the end, uh, it's pretty much just me and Thrift. 
So probably the last three years, just Thrift and I, and we'd, we'd have other people, you know, come in. Like, we found a big house we could rent, you know, because that house deal, renting houses is so much better than staying, staying in freaking hotels. I hate hotels. Dude, tell, give me your, your worst one. Do you have any that stand out, hotels, or even maybe a house that... Yeah. Hotel, no tell. I was at a tournament on... Well, if, if you're from North Carolina, you call it Car Lake, but it's actually K-E-R-R. So to me, that's Kerr Lake, but whatever. A lot of other people call it Bugs Island, which is on the North Carolina-Virginia border. But it's anyway, the same lake? Yeah. Bugs, Bugs Island, Island and Kerr? And Kerr are the same... <laughs> Or the same lake, yep. Anyway, I was staying in a hotel in Henderson, North Carolina, which is where you stay if you're staying in a hotel. And some dude, I cannot make this up, had some woman kidnapped in the room right above us. Dude, it was Joe Exotic. Dude, I come walking out of the... I'll never forget, we were going to the meeting. I come walking out of the hotel, and there's... SWAT team, FBI, all kinds of people in between all, you know, we got all our books backed up to them. And they're all in between with their guns drawn and everything. And I like look at him and he just kind of looks at me and just goes, like, go back in the room kind of deal. And I was like, okay. <laughs> back in the room. I told my buddy that was with me, you know, what was going on. And he was like, nah. And he pulls the curtain open. Looks out there and puts the curtain back shut. He just looks at me and goes, "What the hell's going on?" I, I don't know. He told me to come back in the room. But anyway, they went up there and busted the door down and got him. Guys got the girl out of there and everything. So that's probably my craziest hotel story. I would. I think that one takes the cake, dude. That's way more intense than bed bugs or any little thing. Oh yeah, I've had. Uh, let's see. Over the course of my career, I brought bed bugs home three different times. Oh, no kidding. Three different times, and two of them were actually from some pretty decent. One of them was definitely a trashy place, but the other two times were actually pretty decent places. But oh yeah, mattress, everything outside, the whole freaking oh. deal. Oh yeah, three times in 20, 21 years, three times. Gosh, dude. So Mark Daniels, we we probably talked about this. Sorry to the listeners, we've talked about this a million times, but. We had Mark Daniels on here, and he used to be an entomologist, and he gave us some tips on how to watch for bed bugs. And uh, probably the one that I, when we've had a couple of tournaments earlier this year where we struck out on the places we stayed at, you know, and I was nervous as soon as I walked in. Oh, yeah. So uh, he said, you check the electrical outlets, and if they have little black specks on the electrical outlets, that's bed bug fecal matter because they're attracted yeah. to the heat from those outlets. Oh um, yeah. I said the other thing you can do is put a hot iron on the bed, and then they will attract to the hot iron. So we've had some listeners sending us pictures of hot irons on beds. Oh wow! Yeah. The fire marshal doesn't approve of that. It's been some pretty. Like I said, the two of the times, it wasn't like it was a nasty place. Like that's crazy. But but so the funny thing is, so I know you guys know Luke Clawson. Yeah. His family is in the hotel business, so I ended up talking to his dad, Cal. Uh, like the second time I, I brought him home and he, you know, told me what to do and all this stuff, you know, make sure that they're definitely gone, da 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 because being in the hotel industry his whole life, he's had to deal with it a couple times. And he said that, believe it or not, the really, really high-end hotels 
typically are the ones that get that problem more often because of international travelers. So it makes sense. People bringing them over from, you know, from other countries that... From Hubei province. (laughs) Strict cleaning, whatever, like we do. And yeah, he said, you know, those rich foreigners come over and they bring all their money and their bed bugs. That's interesting. Totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Rob, dude, you stayed with Luke one time, right? I did, yeah. At, actually, at a U.S. Open up in Vegas. So, yeah, I, I ran with Luke a little bit back in the day. I haven't seen him in years, but, yeah, good dude. You, you've got to have some good Luke stories, huh? There's a few. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think any of them we can talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. We, he joined our fantasy football league uh, this fall, JT, and uh, – like if I, I I was invited him in, he's like, yeah, I'd love to play. And they come to find out he knew nothing about football, didn't care. And like he was li- like after a couple of the uh, first weeks, he he was like, dude, I don't care. Like uh, I'll just I'll sell my players for real cash. To Lucas was trying to buy his players with real cash, uh, and uh, obviously we couldn't let that happen. So Luke ended up actually getting like really into it and he had a pretty legit team by the end of the season but it started out he's like I don't even know why I signed up I'll just I'll give you I'll give you uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for 500 bucks Lucas and Lucas <laughs> he Venmoed to him instantly so did he has he ended up winning any money no neither one of them won any money but he had a legit team like he actually played for the last half of the season so I think he'll be back in uh, next year that's funny so so we do a little inner office at uh, MLF, you know, uh-huh. you guys have our own little fantasy thing. Nice. And I, in the first tournament, I picked like the team that I thought was going to be, you know, awesome at Ufala. And then I kind of, eh, I, you know, just got busy with stuff. You know, I got my, my own fishing show now on MOTV. It's been real busy with that, and uh, just never changed my players. And at Lake Fork, the third event. I ended up winning, and it was still the same players that I had picked. From That's the, funny. From it's weird how that works. Okeechobee or at Lake Fork, and I ended up winning the office bowl for Lake Fork, so I thought that was pretty funny. Talk about doing nothing and winning some money. That's funny how it works like that. Nick, that's kind of Nick's experience in fantasy football. He just leaves his lineup like it is, and he actually does really well. Like, just pick the best guys and, and leave them, right? Yeah. Well, you get you get knocked down if someone's like on a bye week. So I at least made sure of that. But when it came to draft time, I just let it automatically tell me who the best available was. Filled my team out. Made it to the semis. <laughs> awesome. Funny how that works. Right on. Um, well, I'm, I'm winding down on my questions. Do you guys have any other questions you guys want to ask JT before we let him roll? Uh, I'm curious, JT. Do you uh, do you miss tour level competition? Honestly, not really. Um, I feel like 20 years was, was a pretty good run. Um, another thing I feel like was like the last, I don't remember exactly, but three or four years, you know, I made the Forest Wood Cup, you know, had good successful seasons, made a lot of money. You know, it wasn't like, like I didn't want to be one of those guys that got out of it because my last five years, I just sucked balls. You know what I mean? Yep. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. But, you know what I mean? Dude, you were a long like, way from that ever happening, but you literally went right, out on but, top, dude. Right, but you know, well, I don't know about top, but you know what I mean. Like, it was just still, you know, having good, successful years and stuff. Um, but really, it wasn't I, – I had no intention of any of this stuff going down. 
like this whole you know morphing into you know the commentator and analyst and all this stuff like as a matter of fact the first time when the producers of our show called me and asked me to do you know asked me to do it i was like not hell no no, I'm an angler. I'm not well, doing that. You were signed up to fish. I made oh, you with the thing. You were going to fish, dude. Dude, I, when we had the uh, the meeting in Atlanta, and they passed out all the contracts and said, you know, everybody, you know, read them over if you want to take them home, da-da-da-da-da. While they were saying that, I had already signed mine and was handing it to Boyd while he was still talking. Like literally, we're all in. first guy in Atlanta. Here, just tell me, let's go, take it. But anyway, so they called, asked me to do that, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I thought about it for a couple of days, and I was like, I, and I always thought that the end game in my career would be, you know, television. I didn't necessarily think being the analyst for a tournament show, but. It, you know, it would be television oriented. You know, I knew I didn't want to fish tournaments till I was sixty. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to guys that do. I just knew I didn't want to do that. It's a grind, man. It's a grind. It, yeah, I feel it. And I'm thirty-one. <laughs> right, but I didn't think at forty-four years old. I didn't think that was going to be. I thought I would morph into that more at like maybe fifty, fifty-two. You know, something like that. But then I got thinking about it, and I was like, man, if that's what you eventually want to do, just because for personally for you the timing's not right, doesn't mean that, you know, maybe God decided the timing's right. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. And so there we go. I just decided if that's what I want to do, even though it's a little bit early, I did it. And, um, and I actually, I love it. I really do. Like, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, I really enjoy you know, Marty and Chad up on the set, you know, and we, we have a lot of life. And there's, there's some times that we, we've got some little buttons up there that we can press so we can still hear each other, but our voices don't go out or they can still hear us <laughs> in the production truck, but they're not going out live. The Bobby Uker buttons. I wish someday we could have just like a fully uncensored show because if everybody thinks that the show sucked last year and it's awesome this year, we can do the uncensored version, and nothing like nasty, but just the uncensored version, dude. It would be a because there's times where I gotta hold that down because we're laughing so hard. They had to cut us. The last one at Lake Fork, they had to cut us off at one point. They had to cut our mics because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> that, that's fine, dude. That's awesome that you can do I know. that. Work. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, but but so it it turns out that you know the three of us actually become pretty good friends and. And it, it's just a fun deal to, to, to work on. I mean, and, and, you know, so I absolutely love it. And I'm still fishing some tournaments. You know, uh, last year I fished three of the Toyota Series, not all in one division, but I fished three of the Toyota Series. I fished that Thousand Islands Open, that big, you know, it's Tabitha's the big tournament in Canada, put on by that Renegade Bass deal. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm still fishing some tournaments. I just fished, well, it's been, probably a month or so ago now, but I just fished a, you know, a tournament right here in, in Palm Bay down on Garcia Reservoir where we had the, you know, the... Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. The thing. Yeah, I fished a little tournament down there the other day. Got the How do you do? Back. You won? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, so, I mean, like I said, I'm still still doing some tournaments. My 
I'm fully intending. I signed up all three of the Toyota Series in the Northern Division this year. And I've had a lot of people ask me that. Like, you're from, you know, not quite South Florida, but almost South Florida. Like, why are you driving all the way up there to, to pitch? And I'm like, because, well, for one, it's the only ones that will fit into our schedule. Or Yeah, you might see me there. Yeah, yeah. But because they're freaking awesome. Like, I love going up there and fishing for smallmouth. You know what I mean? Like, like I've bought largemouth all my life. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. And, and, hey, let's face it, it's hot in Florida in the summertime. Dude, you get to go up there and fish, you know, in shorts and a sweatshirt, and it's just, it's fun. You know what I mean? That's, and, I, I mean, I've had some success. I want to, you know, ever start up there on Champlain a couple of years ago. But, you know, like, I just, I do well up there. I like it. It's fun. And I don't really, I don't really mind the drive. It's totally worth it. It's kind of the, the pinnacle of bass fishing to me, man. It's getting up there in the summertime and, and just it, the big largemouth, big smallmouth, great weather. It's unpressured fish, beautiful bodies of water. It's it's like a vacation combined it, it with a term, you know? <laughs> it is. Just for three of the days, you got to be there at a certain time. Other than that, it's kind of like a vacation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun fishing in the south, dude, but it's like it's what you're used to. You do it all the time. Right. You know, the fish are a little smarter, a little more pressured, and uh, – and it's just, man, I, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's cool. Um, well, hey, uh, before we let you go, uh, what is the scoop with your new TV show? So it's on MOTV. Um, it's, it's a really super original uh, name of the show. It's called The Fishing Show with J.T. Kenny. Hmm. I could I can remember that. Like, really, I was like, well, th- that's what it is. It's a fishing show with me. You know what I mean? So... But we've, we've done six episodes already. We're going to do 12 episodes this year. Um, the original plan for the for the episodes is it's myself as the host, uh, obviously, for every one of them. And then I'm going to bring on another MLF angler. And uh, there's no challenge. There's no – it's not a tournament. It's we're two buddies. We're going to go out and go fishing and just have a blast, have a good time. And we filmed six episodes so far, and that's exactly what it's been. Just me and a buddy, we go out there and just have fun. We joke around, cut up. We've filmed all the all of them so far on the lakes right here around the Palm Bay area. You know, we filmed cool. some on, on Garcia. We filmed some on Three Forks Marsh. We filmed some on Keenansville. Um, I did one. Let's see. We did so far Terry Scroggins, Bobby Lane, Justin Atkins, Brian Thrift, uh, Fletcher and Ish. And nice. So a little spoiler alert, the show with Ish, which is one of the episodes that's on MOTV right now. When you guys get done watching this, you can go right to MOTV and watch it. But I catch my personal best on my show in the first year of my show. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go watch that right after this. It's it, it really was. It was like, you know, so it was kind of funny. So that night I got home and was having a couple of beers with a buddy and he goes, so let me get this straight. He goes, the very first tour event you ever entered in your whole life, you won. He goes, and then the very first year of your own TV show, you catch your PB on <laughs> film while you're filming the show. And I kind of took a big sip of my beer and I said, yeah, I believe that's how it went down. <laughs> <laughs> So, but you didn't get the question. 
you, you've, you've known you've been doing the right thing right away <laughs> each time. You're like, I, I, apparently I'm living right. I don't know if I feel like it all the time, but apparently I'm living right. That's cool. That's cool, man. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else, uh, we'll uh, we'll let you go off and uh, we'll, we'll watch your show, man, right now. Cool. Well, I appreciate hey, everything, guys. Hey, yeah. anytime. I had a blast. Anytime you guys want to have me back again, I'm on. We'd love to have part two. Good luck chasing those turkeys. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, yep. guys. See you, man. See you. See you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. Appreciate you guys hanging in there, and uh, we hope you guys are hanging in there during these tough times for our country. Um, you know, hopefully we can give you a little bit of levity and just talk talk some fishing, not talk about all the crazy news going on right now. We hope you guys are staying safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks.